Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Interfaith Campus. This is Melissa, and on today's episode, we are going to be getting the opportunity to listen to a secular point of view. Um, So I would like to welcome Brad, another U of M senior, to today's episode. I want to begin by first just extending um, my appreciation for you doing this interview with me. I think there's a lot of value that comes from these conversations and getting to hear each other's stories, Um, but it also is a very vulnerable position to be in when you're the interviewee. So um, thank you so much today for joining me and being vulnerable and sharing these experiences. Um, So before we start, I just want to give you a chance to introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, sure. So my name is Brad Hall, and currently I'm a senior in the kinesiology school studying sport management um and i actually just made this decision but i'm going to be staying for an extra semester so kind of like a four and a half year senior um and where i'm at right now is looking to enter the sport world and get into corporate partnerships so yeah great um can you tell me a little bit about where you're from and then a little bit about your religious spiritual or secular identity growing up yeah sure so originally i'm actually from florida Uh, That's where my parents had met, but we moved up to Michigan at a pretty young age, and we lived briefly in Royal Oak, but I spent most of my childhood and was pretty much raised and considered Sterling Heights, Michigan, my hometown. In terms of how I was raised, um, both my parents didn't really have an adopted spiritual identity or religious identity. Um, It was a weird dynamic in the sense that my mom had always pushed for me and my sister to be religious. Um, but my dad had no interest whatsoever in promoting that type of, you know, lifestyle or ideology within our house. Um, so consequently, I was baptized as Episcopal, which is a sect that I'm still not even <laughs> aware of what the beliefs are or what makes it unique and differentiated in Christianity. Um, but we never practiced traditionally. Um, my mom probably since the age of like six or seven. Um, would take me and my sister to what I consider is like a new era or progressive church called Kensington. And it was honestly the worst thing ever for me. Um, It was always, it felt forced. Um, The way they tried to integrate religion into current life didn't really bridge the gap for me to understand or believe or really see any value in it. And I've always been kind of an analytical person, even from a young age. So I remember sitting in the church there um, at, you know, 10 years old and just not really buying into what I thought were just stories. And there's too much practical information that I had known at that age for me to agree with any of what was going on in religion. I didn't really see any value that would add to my life. So, yeah, that's my, you know, religious background um, in terms of how I'm brought up. And, you know, to this day, I would still not consider myself religious or belonging to any type of faith. Okay, so given that you guys weren't really raised with a particular faith tradition in your household, like attached to a certain set of um, beliefs, where did you kind of get the insight or where did you get the values and stuff that guide how you live your life? Yeah, for sure. Um So I think for a little bit more context, I'll back up just a little bit briefly um, in terms of my parents specifically. So they both were essentially brought up in single parent households and lived their lives single parently. Um, My mom had lost her mom at, I think, the age of like nine. And my dad lost his mom at the age of 17. So both of them 
have experienced the bulk and majority of their life um, relatively on their own. Both of their second parent, their dads, um, both passed either before I was born or right after I was born. So they both lived their life pretty independently and have relied on, you know, themselves, but also each other um, to get through life. So I think a lot of the values has come from the way that they've had to experience life. And it's interesting how it's shaped the way that they've seen it. So in terms of their religion, with my mom being such a proponent of religion, I think that has a lot to do with her losing a parent at a very young age. Um, She was also raised partially in Kentucky, which is, as we know, back in the 70s is extremely religious, um, you know, even up to this day. So I think that there was a lot of those values kind of either forced upon her or just kind of integrated within her naturally. Whereas on my dad's side, the way that he's explained it to me is that he lost faith in any type of God or religion once he'd lost his parent at 17 and his dad sold his house. Um, He doesn't believe that there could be a just God if that was to happen to him and he doesn't understand it because he was raised in an area where, you know, going to Catholic school was the normal. Um, most of the families were large and that was just, you know, the way things go. So it was very unlikely for him to not come out as a Catholic person himself. So back to the question of values they instilled with them having two different outlooks on how religion should play a role. They both had like agreed upon understanding of what values you need in order to have a happy life because they were both set with such a unhappy disadvantage so early on. Um, so I think in terms of, you know, the values, it's been hard work. It's been doing the right thing. And it's just been, you know, having faith in how things are going, not necessarily attaching that to a specific religion, because even my dad is a big proponent of things will work out. Things happen for a reason. Um, so I do think that those are very impactful and I have to say, like, I don't think that religion is a required medium to instill values. I think it's rather a medium that people over time have discovered as a best way to communicate those values and have kind of more backing to them. So people adopt them quicker, but I was just fortunate with a good set of parents who were, you know, able to do that by explaining it through their experiences, their life, you know, stories, Um, And just kind of demonstrating this to us, you know, in everyday life out in public and at home. So based on everything that you just told me, um, how would you describe your religious, spiritual, secular identity now? Is it still pretty much the same? Yeah. So I do have to say that probably since the my sophomore year of college, Um, my spiritual, and I wouldn't call it religious because I feel like for it to be considered religious, it'd have to have a belonging within one of the major religions. So I guess my spiritual background has evolved in college. Um, and specifically, and I really do have to credit to this, um, even though it might not be legal, but was my experience on LSD. Um, I do think that that was a really impactful experience. And why I bring up the use of a drug is that it really did impact my conversations I had consequent in following it and altered the way that I perceive religion because I didn't really see spirituality or faith having any role in my life. And I thought everything was, you know, pretty much free will in what I would do. And I'd had full control um, in terms of what happens. But um as I had continued to think and ponder what 
role spirituality might play is I did kind of develop a unique perspective in the sense that I combined this knowledge of my practical side and and knowing things about science and math and the universe, or at least what we know, but combining that with the reality of all the things that we don't know. And the things we don't know is obviously a lot more than we currently know. And I think that there definitely is room for some other element. I think it's a little egotistical to think that humans are the end all be all and the greatest being and the only thing that can drive themselves forward. I think there's greater power to play because we're limited to like our own perceptions of it being only on like a 3d level. You know, when we know that, you know, time is a thing, you know, the space fabric is a thing so that there's such high and complex and abstract concepts that we are aware of, but not understanding of. I think that there is room for, some other element being at play now. So that's kind of how I perceive everything. I think that things do happen for a reason to an extent and that there's like a mixture of free will and just a, you know, destination for all of us. So, you know, that's my current understanding of spirituality. So with identifying with a certain um, religion or faith tradition usually comes a set of like rituals or practices that go along with that. So I was wondering um, with just your spiritual outlook and your spiritual identity, do you have like any practices or things that you adopt into your life that kind of bring you comfort or serve those needs that religion does to other people? Or do you feel as if that you have other mediums and outlets for that? So, yeah, since I don't consider myself a part of any, you know, specific religion or organized religion, you know, at all, there's not any typical practices that I employ. Um, I mean, I guess one of which, you know, is borderline a religious practice, but I guess like occasionally meditating or trying to integrate that into my life, you know, with, you know, Buddhism. But again, that's a lot of way that people live their life without, you know, adopting Buddhism as a religion. But in terms of other, you know, coping mechanisms or strategies that, you know, typically people who are religious use as way, like as a benefit um, or to help them out, I do think that there's ways that I kind of mimic the efforts. Um, And I think a lot of that has to do with just self-reflection. You know, I'm a very introspective person. So I think when people, you know, perhaps pray, you know, they're considering an issue that's a current problem in their life and they, you know, are asking for, you know, us like help externally from God or, you know, a religious being. Um, I think in the same sense that there's a comfort that comes along with praying is a, it's almost that someone has your back and that things are going to be okay. And I think in the same sense of my just intuitive understanding and worldview and outlook on life, is that I, you know, realize the insignificance of the small events. And I think taking that time to reflect on that and always just kind of keeping things in perspective that life is long. This, for example, paper is not going to be the end of me. And it's not going to affect the bulk of my life. It's not going to affect my job. I think that's a way that I can almost chalk up that faith to something else just because I know that things will turn out right. So I guess in a way that's like my quote, God is just the understanding of that reality. Um, But in terms of other coping mechanisms and practice, I wouldn't tie anything back specifically, you know, to spirituality. And I think just that reflection piece has been so powerful on its own that it's been a good coping mechanism through, you know, the bulk of my uh, college career and, you know, current life. 
So since coming to the University of Michigan, what has your experience looked like? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, my experience has really varied and, you know, evolved over my four years here. Um, and starting out, like, it was honestly pretty rough. Like, I, I lived on North Campus um, in Bates, so I was one of the farthest points away from the actual campus and classes. So, you know, bulk of my, you know, freshman year just involved sitting in my room, not really getting involved, and that was the story of my life that year, and it really sucked. Like, I just, I always envied going home and, you know, coming on campus was like pretty anxiety inducing experience. Um, but anyways, as I moved on, I think sophomore year is when I really started to open up and that's when I really did get, um, I got a good set of roommates and we had a lot of fun. Um, still wasn't super involved, but that was also the year that I, you know, switched my major and I really kind of put myself out there a little bit more just since I was, you know, switching schools across campus. So it gave me more experiences in terms of, you know, traveling around the campus and getting to new spots, um, which was really neat and nice, uh, to do and to meet more people. And I think things really started to pick up my junior year. And that's when I really fell in my groove is, is when I finally, you know, found, Switched places, found a really good roommate, but then that is when I fully understood, um, you know, the Michigan experience because I think up to that point, I had this preconceived notion how most people were, um, didn't really feel like I fit in here um, in terms of everything just because it was just different experience and just my background. Um, so I think once my junior year hit and I did really meet a good amount of people, um, and understanding there's a lot more things in common and than not, it made it a lot more fun and a lot more social for me. And I also got involved with the Sport Business Association, which is, you know, the professional development club for sport management. And I think that really put things into perspective of how interconnected and tight the uh, school community was, um, at least in the sport management program and how everybody's just trying to get to one end goal. So I really appreciated that. And, you know, of course, now with COVID, it's not fun for anybody and, it really has been tough being online with school and it's really limited, you know, the social interaction, but just the involvement and kind of the incentive to be involved. Um, you know, the days seem to blend together and look the same. So it's been kind of a, you know, mundane year, um, I'd have to say, but yeah. Kind of going off of that, how has your worldview um, kind of shaped your experience on campus in terms of, you know, finding a, finding your place and fitting in and yeah for sure so I think my worldview is has been one of the biggest players in terms of what I've involved myself in um and also um just how people have involved themselves with me um I think a lot of it has to do with you know my personal background in terms of where I come from um, you know, my political ideology and just my ideology in terms of a career, because obviously being in Michigan, people are here because it's the prestige. Um, you know, they want to get a very, you know, well-paying job or a very um, high status job upon graduating. And that's never really been the, the entire focus for me. Um, I care less about that. I care more about, you know, having experiences and enjoying friends and people. But I did notice it was a little bit more clicky once I got here and I didn't really associate myself. And I think that's part definitely on me, but I just had this really negative notion and perception of the people on campus at large, assuming most of them came from ultra wealthy backgrounds and having this, you know, 
prejudice that most people were either pretentious here or, you know, were just too high above me or that's what they had perceived themselves of for me to, you know, be friends with them. So I think that kind of worked in both directions because it certainly was true in some cases. In other cases, it was just me holding back from associating with, you know, those kinds of people. So like I had mentioned in terms of like my experiences here, I think that really changed junior year when I did like open up my perspective and was open to meeting more people. Um, but that, that has made it, you know, kind of tough to feel at home on campus just because I feel like I can't relate to many of the backgrounds from people here. Um, so, you know, my, my group has stayed small and I can't complain about it and I've had a, a good time otherwise. So you mentioned that junior year is kind of like when you fell into your groove because you felt like you were able to kind of interact with a lot more people and gain a lot more perspectives and opinions and um, everything that comes with that. Um, But was that the first, I assume not, but was that the first time that you became aware of other beliefs that were different from your own or kind of when was that moment for you and how did it function? Yeah, so in terms of um, meeting different backgrounds and people, um, I do think it's worth mentioning just a little bit more, like going back to high school, just because I did go to an international baccalaureate school. So already it was like a very global perspective. And that was just the, you know, ideology that pushed there was very global and broad. And the people I went to school with were from a variety of backgrounds, religious religions to begin with. Um, so, you know, like, for example, like I'm a white person and the majority of my friends were not white. So it gave me a very diverse perspective on cultural backgrounds. So, um, I have to say coming to college, it almost worked in the reverse. I don't really think I met that many people with unique backgrounds. And even if it was culturally different, I didn't meet that many people who, either practiced, you know, their specific, you know, you religion that wasn't mainstream or had special cultural practices that I was exposed to. You mentioned that your experience at U of M has kind of been the opposite of your experience in high school and that you've had less opportunities to meet people from other backgrounds, engage in meaningful conversations and interactions with them, um, whatever that may be. My question for you is, what do you think the barriers to access um, to having those kinds of conversations with other college students and people our age are? Do you think that it's an individual problem? Is it a culture problem? Is it an institutional problem that we have here at U of M? I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that, if you're willing to share. Like to start with myself, like for sure, I could have gotten involved and put myself out there more. But in terms of diversity, I mean, I think intellectual diversity is the most valuable. So that would include, you know, culture, religion, anything that obviously is like different from my own, um, you know, that is of value and is a, has its own set of, you know, beliefs or practices with it. Um, but I also think it's tough to, to really get incentivized or feel comfortable joining specific organizations because there's definitely, you know, a lot of cultural clubs here and religious organizations here. Um, but, you know, as someone that doesn't identify with a specific culture and same with religion, I don't think getting involved was the most natural answer for me. Um, so that kind of leaves, I guess, the classroom and, you know, just social settings and other, you know, non-cultural religious groups. And yeah, I definitely could have, and I should have joined more, um, clubs when I was here. I definitely would have liked that. 
um, I'm sure that would have given me a broader perspective and meet more people and more diverse backgrounds. Um, but I guess specifically pertaining to religion, not so much. Yeah, you know, I think at the end of our four years here, we're all kind of maybe looking back at our experiences and saying, I could have done this and I should have done that. And I really wish I did this before leaving. Um, but what I also hear or what I think I'm hearing in you saying that is something that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast is that there is a lot of value that comes from um, putting yourself in uncomfortable in new situations and being open and willing to learn from other people. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think there's huge value in learning um, things from, you know, diverse people. I think if it's a new idea, um, new religion, new culture, whatever it may be, and it's new to you and, you know, exported from another area or, um, or country, I think it's beautiful to learn. And, um, I think I can tie a lot of that, a lot of that firsthand learning and my appreciation and understanding that there is a lot of value back to high school again, just with such diverse backgrounds, but even, even our, our education was super immersive, um, you know, between taking a mandated four years of Spanish or, you know, taking art as a class and doing world religions. Um, there was so much to learn in my friends having different religious and cultural backgrounds. You're going over their house, you know, learning about, you know, their family was still an insight into, you know, broader culture. Um, but, you know, even going back, there's plenty of beautiful art that originates specifically from either Islamic art um, back in the 15th century. Amazing phenomenal. And if you were not attached to that religion or didn't have a conversation with someone within, it might be hard to come across or even be knowledgeable of. Um, you know, and the same applies to, you know, taking a language and getting immersed in the culture and understanding the food and just the way of life and how different it is. And it really widened my perspective. So I think that there's huge value in it. And it's just been something that I've kind of lacked in seeing at, you know, the university. And I guess kind of to go back a little bit on the last question, um, in terms of, you know, what I could have done, I think part of the, the reason that might be the lack of diversity is also the school and sport management. Um, the students in the head program tend to be cookie cutter with the same goals, um, relatively same backgrounds, even if they're not from the same state. Um, so I think even my peers have just been not of a you know diverse group. Whereas in high school, I went to school with 87 or 86 other people and them also being diverse. You learn a lot really quick about everybody you get a huge perspective, whereas here, you know, not so much. Yeah, and I think kind of going back to what you mentioned about those conversations not really taking place at a university level, I think it is really common because a lot of us, when we get to college, we don't have our parents, um, you know, waking us up for church in the morning, or I didn't have my parents reminding me to pray for every meal, and so I kind of no longer felt that obligation to and was just able to detach myself from it. And once I did that, the conversations also kind of move to the side and it's also like you know a lot of the time not the first topic you're going to pick to talk about with your roommates and your friends um but I do agree with you that there is a lot of value um that can come out of it and so just kind of conversely what are the biggest challenges do you think that come with kind of having these um conversations about different beliefs and different worldviews and perspectives yeah I think um a big part of it that makes it challenging well first of all i guess i don't think it necessarily is challenging 
at least in my experience. I, I enjoy it a lot. And I think that um, just having an open mind and just asking pretty open-ended questions and letting people speak and and listening to to understand rather than listening to respond is a huge part of that. Um, but I guess in terms of, you know, maybe working around that conversation so it's the most effective as a problem, um, I think some things that come up would be just one, your schema, you know, your scheme of the world. I mean, if you, for instance, going back to what I learned in Spanish, I mean, if when you realize that they traditionally nap midday in a work day and are eating dinner extremely late and typically go out at, you know, 10 o'clock and that is the, you know, an average life in Spain, that's pretty remarkable for in the U.S. where we start schools extremely early. We have dinner by six, seven o'clock. Naps are usually non-existent. Um, so I think it's just having an understanding for it and not viewing it as preposterous and, you know, trying to understand the reasoning behind it. I think that can be the biggest problem is that if you're just listening um, to respond or listening just to hear what they have to say and not really trying to push yourself the extra mile and understand the reasoning behind why certain things are done in that culture, whether you agree with it or not. Um, I think that can be an obstacle too, especially when it comes off as really strange to you based on your background. Okay. Well, I think that is all of the questions I have for you today. So I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your secular journey with us and your worldview and how that shaped your experience at the University of Michigan. Yeah, no, of course. I, I appreciate the platform to talk and it's, you know, it's always a productive conversation to be, you know, self-reflective. So, um, yeah, no, I appreciate you having me.